0: Welcome to the Tone Duff Sessions, hosted by Bruce Duff, author of The Smell of Death, musician, producer, and artist manager. The conversations are recorded at Tone Duff Studio in Hollywood, California, and are a feature of Rare Bird Radio. All right, it's Tone Duff 21, believe it or not, and uh, we're here with uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Keith Morris. Keith, say hi to the um, world. I'm
1: there. the man, the myth, the legend in my own head. <laughs> of course. Well, that's where we my, all live. My swollen head. That's where we all are. Uh, my head is so swollen that um, I've got to be uh, tied down, otherwise, I'll just float away.
0: Yeah, I, I dig that. <laughs> Uh, well, Keith, you know, full disclosure, we've known each other since the early 90s. Maybe it has been the we've,
1: 80s. We've known each other for just way too long. Yeah, I
0: think the first time we were... Uh, I think my first recollection of actually meeting you face-to-face, you might not love this, was at Hully Gully, and uh, we had come out of our rehearsal and we're paying up our bill and stuff, and you were there overseeing a rehearsal by the Nymphs. Um, I, I'm not here to talk about the nymphs. Of course not, who is, but it was that's how we Well you brought it, was, it up. Well, I know, but you know, you know what, I'm got to Are you, you walking out on me right now? <laughs> I won't I won't go through the whole story of what happened to them, but it would it was uh it was remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good old Inger. She's still around, still making music, keeping us keeping us entertained. Uh, well, I want to go, uh, obviously, even first talk about your book. Which you have a set of I questions? I have, a, uh, it's not too, look. inquiring. It's like six questions. I figured okay. it would take an hour. Okay. Because I know you. Um, let's talk about how this even came about. What made you, let's start at the beginning. Why did you decide to write a
1: book? First, I was born. Of course. I was actually born at Kaiser. We were just talking about Yeah, we were just going into health issues and health care and insurance and Obamacare. And the guy, um, you know, we're trying to like read through this Comey thing and they're voting on something else down the hall. Yeah, they're just all of those people are just pure evil. They're not even people. To call them people is... That's a misnomer.
0: Uh, our government's just a big, gigantic, dysfunctional family.
1: It's a commode. Yeah. An unflushed commode. <laughs>
0: well, it's that
1: commode that you saw at Godzilla's back in the 80s. <laughs> the punk rock toilet. It was like... The I'm going to eat... The, Three burritos and go in there and let everybody know that I ate three burritos. <laughs> and I'm gonna leave it there <laughs> for the ninth wonder of the world. <laughs> exactly. Well, so then after your birth, we come to uh, figuring out about a book. Well, no, we um, we met over at Holly Golly. Um, we actually worked at Holy Gully together for a while. Uh, I never worked there. Yes, you did. No, you, I didn't work, work at Holy Gully. You showed up when it was time to rehearse, you worked at Holy oh, Gully. Oh I mean, yeah, I played there. I didn't I didn't work in the office. That, so. wasn't that the night, one of the nights that we were rehearsing with Bug Lamp. Yeah. When Carlo nucio Nuke, the nuke. Mongo, hit drum, Mongo, said something to Rob Stennett, and not, like, ten seconds later, Rob Stennett's Stratocaster was flying across the room at Carlo. I don't recall that. Was I, are you sure I, I was there? I, I'll never forget that, because it's, they
0: were best friends. Yeah, they were. Well, we. I used to call him Fred Norton.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to send you to the moon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was. The, so we've was the worked part. at Holy Golly. We met at Holy Golly, um, and what you're trying to get me to say here is how did the book come about? How'd you go?
0: What came first, chicken of the egg? Did someone offer you a uh, book deal, or did you decide I'm going to write this
1: out and go see what happens? I had started writing stories about uh, maybe four or five years ago. When it comes to the book, this is my favorite story about the book. I was um, hanging out with Hope, mm-hmm. you know, little Hope. Sure. Hope, who used to bartend at Al's Bar and now bartends at uh, Cafe Nela. Oh, okay, yes. Um, Her and I went to an art exhibit in a gallery down in West Los Angeles, down in Culver City. And we're through looking at all of the stuff that's on display. We're through looking at the exhibit. And all of a sudden I find myself out on the front sidewalk and there's Brendan Mullen, one of my favorite characters. Sure. Out of everybody in Los Angeles. Um, <clears throat> even more popular than Nikki B. Even more popular than Henry Rollins. Even more popular than... Uh, Jesus Christ and God. There's Brendan and he comes up to me and he's going, Kay, what's going on? And I'm all of a sudden we're in this animated conversation out in front of this art gallery. And uh, I look over at Hope. She's pulling on my shirt sleeve. We gotta get out of here. We gotta go get something to eat. And it's like, I'm talking to one of my best friends. Ultimately, at the end of the conversation, After he's told me what he's working on, he was on his, um, I I, I believe he was on his second or third rewrite of a Chili Peppers book. He said, you got to write a book. You need to write a book. I'll help you write a book. You got to write a proposal. I'll help you write a proposal. The book companies, they're not giving out big advances anymore because everybody wants it for free on the computer. Um. And I'm like, wow, okay. You know, I, I, I had written a few, couple of chapters for the book. So you had already been thinking about this yourself anyway. Yeah. Um, and Brendan gives me the nudge. And of course he says, give me a call and we'll get to this. So I call him on a Friday and he says, call me on Monday. I'll be back on Monday. I'm going to Santa Barbara. And, uh, of course, that was the weekend that he was having dinner with his gal pal and fell out of his chair. And, oh, my
0: God. It was that close. To, oh, my yeah,
1: God. And Monday morning, um, they pulled life support. And my first thought was, there goes my fucking book, which is... That is so wrong and just like not right. Okay, but it's
0: it's human nature. I mean, uh, yeah, let's but not I, beat yourself up.
1: Yeah, well, I beat myself up for a, a few weeks because it was the the more important thing was that I had lost a really of good course. friend.
0: That's probably just your shock to react to it, really, to the fact that Brendan was gone.
1: So, um, out of the blue, uh, maybe a year and a half. Two years later, I want to say, uh, maybe a little bit longer than that, my booking agent calls me and and says, it's time for you to write a book. Let's do this. And I said, so who are you talking to? He said, this agency, we we handle actors and actresses. We handle screenwriters. So this is
0: Andy after he went to APA.
1: This is even after APA. Okay. Um, is that where he's at now? I'm I, pretty sure, he's yeah. Ch- he's changed so many But times, APA is one of those, you yeah. know, they
0: don't just do music, they do all yeah, kinds of crap. They've TV got stuff. Like,
1: TV stars and voiceover people and um, they have their book agent. So the book agent contacts me and he said, this is the deal. Um, I said, I'm down. It's been really... Fantastic. So he had a deal in place when he called you? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. great. Yeah, And I wasn't going to argue with I don't know what book world is. I'm basing everything on what Brendan told me about how these book companies, they're not giving out big advances. So what's a big advance? I got an advance that pay my rent for a year and for my food and for my gas. It's like, I'm not going to argue with that. That's pretty happening. And then I was assigned a co-writer, and it's like, I was told, he can be a ghost writer. you don't even need to mention him, and it's like, no, 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 my ego does not allow that. If the guy's going to put in the work, the guy needs to get credited for his work. So what ex- how
0: exactly did that work? Like, what was the, how did you guys break down the Well, floors? at first
1: I was bummed because I was being assigned a, 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 a co-writer. In other words, they didn't even want to see because what you I, had. I would have, if Brendan had been alive, I would have done it with Brendan. What? Why wouldn't I have done it with Brendan? You know. And then there's Chris Morris, and there's just a whole list of people. Let me throw this out.
0: I mean, you are not an unliterary guy. Couldn't you have just? Do you feel like now
1: that you've seen it done, could you have done it yourself, Bruce? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna interject in here real quick. If I had been left to my own devices, the book wouldn't have been done. You just wouldn't have have got the... I would still be writing stories. The the problem that I have is that I speak in circles, and I write in circles. In a book, you're going from point A to point B, and you need to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. Jim, we probably spent a minimum 70 hours of me telling him stories.
0: So you were just speaking into the recorder and he was turning it into something? He was going
1: home and he was transcribing it and he was removing bits and pieces. He was trimming it and he was the one that created the pace of the book. If you read the book, it's like listening to a couple of punk rock albums okay it's a quick read it's the 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 um uh, what's you buy it online where somebody reads it like an audiobook yeah the audiobook is nine hours long that's pretty long okay well you know for an audiobook that's pretty long well if you're on a if if you're a band and you're on tour that's that's a good that's a good drive three trips yeah
0: All right, well cool, so therefore it exists as an
1: audiobook, too. Yes, it does, Um, but I'm not telling everybody to run out and buy it because I was not the voice in the audiobook. I was my next question, so who (laughs) is you? I met the guy, but it's like, you know, somebody that's working out of his living room. See what happened was that the people that published the book got bought up by a larger company. During this process? During this process. And during this process, the guy at the bigger company, the parent company, took it upon himself to just say, "Yeah, we're going to do this book, and this is the guy we're going to use." So I went back because I got, I was getting uh, hounded by Stephen McDonald. Stephen McDonald has a studio at his house. He's like, "Dude, we could do your book with you reading it, and..." We can put it out on CD! We could put it out. You know, we could go to Burger Records and they could put out the cassette version.
0: <laughs> well, I gotta say, I mean, anyone, if there are—if there there is anyone out there who is not familiar with the vocal style, even speaking of Keith Morris, you can see that this would be a vibrant and exciting listen. So, to me, it seems like a no-brainer why they would pass up on that. Well, what's to stop you from doing it now? Do you not have the rights to your own I'm book? Just,
1: I'm waiting for the permission. I'm waiting for my publisher, and my publisher, who's a really good guy, he's, one of the reasons I was stoked was because he puts out a book a month, he's put out a couple of Duff McKagan books, he's put out John Doe's Under the Big Black Sun that involved like a couple of Go-Go's and a a Flesh Eater and, you know, Jack Grisham from TSOL, really, really happening book. Yep. And they they did a audio version where everybody that wrote yeah. a chapter in that book read their chap.
0: We had those two guys on, and we gave away one of the audio books as a prize. And
1: they were also nominated for a Grammy, which was a, I guess for, for all of those people, it was kind of a big deal. Yeah, why not? Um, he'd put out that book. Um, he's got a he's got Brian Posehn writing a book right now. Um. Brian Wilson's book. Okay. So you're in good company. I'm in really good company. I I I guess I get to bat first just to bunt to get on first base. Because everybody everybody else they're going to be hitting doubles and triples and grand slams. Yeah. Well no, but I, I keep hearing about your book. I think it's done pretty well, right? My book um, they actually came to me and said, start thinking about what you're going to write for your second book. The reprint, um, they, they were completely blown away by how quickly the book was selling. They came to me and said, um, we're going to do a reprint, which is in, in, in the uh, literary world, in the book world, that's supposed to be a really big deal. Yes, you have is. to understand now, I'm traversing in a an area that I'm not. Oh, I I know it's there, but I've never dealt with any of the people that are a part of it. And I heard they're supposed to be even more backstabbing and ugly and nasty than, say, uh, movie world, TV world, or uh, music world. Hmm. But the. Uh, softback comes out in September, so we're not that far away from the softback. For everybody that's been holding out because they didn't want to spend $25 on the hardback.
0: Oh, okay, so that hasn't even been Or they out were waiting yet. for
1: their friend, you know, they were waiting for their neighbor to read it and then... Loan like, it to them. Yeah. Sure. All of that The re-read. stuff. Yeah. So,
0: but uh, <laughs> getting back to that, are you going to do an audio version then when, when that all happens?
1: Um, I'm not going to do an audio version unless I get permission... From the guy that that took me up with right. all of it, okay.
0: yeah. Well, that would be very cool. I'm sure everyone would dig it. Uh, what's going on uh, with Off? I know you guys were just out around the uh, around the end of the year, and it seems like it's been about three years since a record's been out. Am I right about um, that? I'm
1: really terrible when it comes to well, we released this record on this date, and it was we sold this many records and all of that fun stuff. I, I just... There's been so much stuff flying about that it's like... I, I can't, can't keep track? I can't I can't be involved in trying to remember all of that stuff. Is it time to make Plus a new I'm, Off record almost in your head? I'm 62 years old. It's like, I could be suffering dementia. I could be... You know, Alzheimer could be setting in. It, it could just be that I have this really shitty attitude that I don't care. I do care, but... Um, the thing with Off is... Um, no touring. Um, our our bass player uh, is the uh, current bass player in the Melvins. Who tour constantly, and they've got a th- like a three month, three and a half month long tour coming up, so he's going to be gone. We we had a um, schedule that we'd carved out where a couple of us w- we wanted to get in a room with all of the guys in, in the band. And just jam, dude, let's jam and let's just be creative and make something happen here. And we tried to do that and it was, uh, one of the guys showed up and he couldn't even get off his cell phone. He was, he was so uninterested in what we were doing. It was almost like the vibe that we were picking up was, um, what am I doing here? Why why am I, I'm, I, I'm already in another band that's, Doing the same thing that we're doing here. Why would I want to subject myself to that again? Um, That wasn't you, was it? Oh no 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 (laughs) no 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 no. See, I'm at the point where I wholeheartedly embrace all of this, all of these spurts and moments of creativity, and we actually came out of that jam session. Dude, we're jamming. You know, just start hitting some notes, man. Yeah, this is great. We're gonna smoke some pot, and we're gonna just, oh, it's gonna be so laid back, and oh, man. Oh, yeah. Grateful Dead Allman Brothers. Oh, jeez, Stoner Rock Jam, dude. And we actually came up with Wasted Satan. You know, how do you call Donald Trump anything but the wasted Satan? All right, so see, there you got one. And it was good. I mean, it was like, yeah. Yeah, to get the guy off
0: his phone, but then you got
1: wasted Satan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole idea with what we're doing is all of the music that we're creating is going to be part of a singular piece of music and what do you mean like one big long piece? Yes. Okay. With all of the different musical movements in it. And it's going to be attached to a movie that we've we've filmed the first uh probably 15 minutes of the movie with
0: you guys as the stars. Yeah. I see.
1: Yeah. And everybody like Pulls their weight. Everybody does a really amazing job. There's a lot of screaming and yelling and fuck yous and... Oh, man, fuck you. And... Um, I get in What's a... What, so it's I like get a behind-the-scenes? I get, a I get in a fight with Dimitri based on, like, a t- true story. You probably broke his cell phone. Um, No. Because no. he's on it all the time. No, no, no. But, um... We have been attached to uh, a lot of other different schedules. Yeah, I can see that. You know, whether it be the Hot Snakes, whether it be uh, Rocket from the Crypt, whether it be Earthless, whether it be Red Cross, whether it be Steven recording that dog or you know what everybody's doing. Plus their three dads, they gotta be fathers. No slouches, no um, deadbeat dads here. Everybody shows up and does what they have to do. And we understand that. Being older guys, we realize that we don't just drop everything we're doing because it's time to play music. You know, there's a place and time for it, and we cut out that time to do it. So we've got a bit of a reprieve because Stephen's getting ready to go out and be a Melvin. And we're proud of the fact that he's being a Melvin because we love the Melvins. Of course. Everyone does. Uh, well, so you've got a lot of stuff
0: happening, though, anyways. You're just as busy as they are. with. The, I would imagine this book kept you fairly tied up. Um,
1: I, even now, after the book's been out as long as it has, I'm still doing readings, still doing in-stores. I've got one when I leave here this evening. Where at? Down at Chevalier's, down on Larchmont. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then... How is it... Ten- how are you still enjoying these
0: things? It tends pretty good, people pretty interactive? Um,
1: it's it, it, it comes with the territory. And um, I'm finding that some of these book readings... I've done a couple of book readings where there's been like 100, 200 people. So I'm starting to feel like Henry Rollins, maybe? No, just kidding. Um,
0: (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. Why not? (laughs) You know, Henry, uh, you know, spun it into being a publisher for a while, even. He let that go, but he had a little run.
1: Yeah. So, I don't mind reading stories or telling stories in front of a bunch of people. I mean, tonight there could be 12 people. There could be two dozen people, I don't know. It's a bookstore that I've never been in. And what's really great about this part of my adventure is that I'm going into some of these places that I've never been before. I, I did this book reading in Portland.
0: Which is the book capital of America, for those uh, not At a place aware. called
1: Powell's. Yeah, it's, it's the amoeba of bookstores. It's like uh, two amoebas of bookstores. Yeah, it's huge like, what, seven stories? It's just unbelievable. There was one floor that was just uh, set up for um, people to read from their books and sign books. And one of the things that I was finding while I was doing this, um, not only having really great turnouts, like actually having the people in these bookstores tell me that... You know, because I'm curious as to, so what did you think of the turnout this evening? And they were like, we can't give it enough thumbs up. So,
0: um. And and is this, does this happen when the book, I mean, are the bookstores just
1: primarily themselves the ones getting the word out? Yes. I mean, now I'll post some stuff on um, a couple of my Facebook pages. Because I'm, I'm the administrator on about five or six pages on Facebook, which is turned into a joke. But at the same time, it is what it is. And it, it's a good place to advertise. Sure. If you know there's certain uh, periods during the day where you can reach 60,000 people.
0: Well, that's pretty effective. So through doing this, you've become sort of a uh,
1: social media savvy... Uh... I'm not that savvy. It's just I'll post it when I feel like posting it and if if it reaches 200 people or if it reaches 25,000 people, whatever, you know. It's like I don't really pay attention to a lot of that kind of stuff. But I've got um, Chevalier's this evening. Uh, In in a couple of weeks, I have uh, Vromans, which is out in Pasadena, which is... Like the old, it's supposed to be the yeah. oldest bookstore out in Pasadena. I'm learning about all of these things because I'm not a literary no. guy. Yeah, we know about record stores. And, and stuff. yes, yes, we do. Um, then a couple of weeks after that, I have Book Soup, which um, they initially said, "No, we 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 don't want him here." Too big. Um, no, they love those. They love because it's hard. It, I've been. They to some had there and somebody it gets there packed, where there were like 500 people out on the sidewalk. Yeah, that's ridiculous. See, the space itself is what 12 people. It's not very big. Well, yeah. it's
0: it, you could put a lot of people in there, but they end up down the aisles, and there was that's not so great.
1: There was 500 people for some guy from one of the thrash industrial doom gloom bands or whatever whoever it was that paints his face i don't know who it was um and my publisher was there and he's like oh keith's gonna do the same thing when he does his book thing here because he lives like a block from there so it's like you've got to do this and apparently the guy at uh, the book company when he contacted them they were they can just kind of shrug their shoulders like, Oh, who's he? Or you know. Oh, really? No I would deal. have thought the book would have been in there to to moving I, them. I killed two birds with one stone. When I talked to the gal that books Romans, she also books book soup. She said, Nobody talked to me. I would have had you there. When do you want to do it? This is what we have open. Um, I'm planning to do the place downtown, the last bookstore. Right. Uh, and I've never been in there, and it's like, what I'm finding That's a is... a pretty big bookstore. Yeah, what I'm finding is that I'm going to be going to a lot of places that I've not been before. <laughs> I, I've driven by them, or I've seen them, or, you know, I've heard about them, but I've never been in them. You know, because if I'm out shopping, I'm going to go shop for records. I'm not shopping yeah, for books. Yeah, me both. I get you. So, uh, when you do these things, uh,
0: do you take questions or anything as well, or you just talk to people? You just do a little reading and then sign,
1: or what's what's your format? Um, Normally I'll read, uh, for depending upon if it's my event or if I'm doing it, like tonight I'm doing it with a couple of gals. One gal's going to play some songs on her acoustic guitar. I find that interesting, because it's just not not your typical five people that have written books telling stories out of their books, because sometimes that can get a little bit thick and a little bit heavy. It's kind of like spoken word. I'm not a fan of spoken word, and th- this could almost be considered spoken word.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a reading. Yeah, but having said that, you were sort of in the spoken word category with uh, midget hand job. Yeah, and we still do that occasionally. I thought I saw something where you guys were playing recently. Yeah, we had to drag that out of the mothballs. Is and did that did that spur
1: that? Um, that is, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna blame them and when i say them that that would be the guys that play in Midget hand job we're not like a typical band everybody is doing something um you know the music's based on the music are like longer lengthier pieces and it's based on like loops it would be it could sound like kraut rock meets creedence clearwater meets oh, Billy Holiday or uh, Fela Cootie, uh, Ransom, um, <clears throat> all sorts of different stuff like that. And the, the reason that fell apart was we played a couple of shows. We did a really great show at Spaceland and had to play a benefit later on that night down in Long Beach at D. Piazza's down on Pacific Coast Mm -hmm. Highway. And that was disastrous. That was... This is not what this is about. When it turned into a drummer, a guitar player, a sax player, and myself. It it was always about... uh, We always bordered on cacophony we always bordered on something that resembled world beat which i'm not a big fan of we we'd gotten we'd gotten into that area a few times i mean we had some we had a couple of performances at the knitting factory that um Marky Smith from The Fall said, oh, this is one of the greatest things I've ever heard. You guys, um, we're playing in San Francisco tomorrow night. You want to you, you wanna be on the rest of the tour with us? You're my favorite new band. And do you know where I can score some speed? <laughs> <laughs> it always leads to that now, it? <laughs> and they were brilliant. The Fall are brilliant. And that show was... You know, we were like really getting into it. We had a show at uh, the Knitting Factory where uh, we noticed that there were a couple of kids in the audience. And when I mean kids, I'm saying like a a nine-year-old and maybe uh, an 11-year-old, a boy and a girl. And I pointed them out, and I said, "You're both of you are needed up here right now for this next piece of music that we're going to play." And they sat there. One, one had, I believe, bongos, and one of the 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 other one had like drumsticks and a, a couple of a, a pan and a pot and a. Wait a minute, they had this stuff with them? No, we had it. Oh, on you stage had it, and they were able because to Because yeah. we used to carry these okay. plastic sure. milk crates with just all of this stuff that, you know, we'd find it in the, the kitchen, like we're going to throw this out, or the, here's the big five gallon water bottle, and we we'd just put some coins and some screws and some nails and bolts and all sorts of stuff to make it sound like a giant shaker. And. They sat there and they faced each other on stage. They were in the middle of the stage and they were attentive. Normally you would think kids would just like just start beating away and banging away. It was like these kids had... It, it was almost as if they had, had uh, some kind of musical training. Maybe they did. Or musical background. That's a possibility, but it's like... Normally you got two kids on stage and they're... You know, when their saxophones blaring and you know, all the this stuff swirling around. They'd just start getting into it and just start beating on whatever they, you know, bashing away on whatever they could hit. And they were, like, unbelievable. Because we would have this thing where uh, we'd played the troubadour and we played um, the fold down on Sunset Boulevard where we would just take the, the crates and just dump them off, the front of the stage or whatever whatever area was open and just whoever wanted to pick something up and beat it against the wall or you know hit their friend over the head with or you know shakers and maracas and tambourines and just broken musical equipment and <clears throat> that would get noisy when you left it up to the adults it would get kind of cacophonous it could turn into Drum circle, and
0: you're sort of inviting that
1: by handing out percussion yeah, to you uh, know it's what we're just to adding the to the chaos. Yeah. So, do you have other shows coming up? Is that what you're saying? Um, well, we just played the mess around over in uh, Burbank for Johnny Whiteside, um, and that was a lot of fun. We play with the gears, we play with Mad Society. Uh, I read from my book, Hudley Flipside. read... F- from one of her books. It was a good thread, great vibe. The food was, for Mexican food, it was just good. Well, you're being
0: very, very, very generous.
1: Because you've eaten
0: there before. Yeah. Well, we I was we were doing a monthly thing there with Simon Stokes, and uh, we uh, we actually got to the point where let's get there late enough so we don't have to eat. You know, it's just like let's skip that food or eat
1: across the street. Yeah. Or,
0: well, what's across the street? It's a the um,
1: bowling alley. They so have you food. Could probably, oh. You could probably get a hot dog or yeah, a, I don't know. A slice of cheese pizza. Yeah, the, the food's terrible. Is 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 the fact. Okay. So now that you're a a mu- uh, not only a music critic... I'm a
0: food critic. No, actually, I don't and know much about a book critic. It. But
1: I can tell you when Mexican food is bad. I, I didn't think it was bad. It was edible. And so I give it a, just a good. Okay. Um, because enough. everybody was saying, oh, you don't want to eat there. Oh, man, you're going to die and all that. Well, you it was like, I was hungry. I'm a diabetic. When it's time to eat, i got to eat. So, um, you know, and just hope that it's good. Gotcha. So we played there. Um, there raring to go because one of the guys has a, another song that's perfect for this time because of the political climate and, you know, the world needs another anti-this, anti-that, and I'm all for that, but I'm in no hurry to, like, learn and learn a new song, learn a new But, music I mean, it's all
0: improvised song. anyways. Can't
1: they just kind of get it together and you just sort of wail over yeah, it? let them do it, you yeah. know? Um, you're free you're free well, you're free for me. They're they're right? they, they've all got like itchy fingers alright like, well what that, that, that's good we're we gonna do this you again? got
0: inspiration behind you so that's yeah, a good thing yeah but it's
1: like I got so many other things to did I just pitch the movie to Jack Black you know now all of a sudden I want to get involved in that part of the world now this is something you wrote I can't shake showbiz well yeah, it's in your blood buddy it's not even been written he said uh, I love the story until you go to Africa because that's when it gets into special effects and it's like, so are you making an indie movie or are you making a big summertime blockbuster? I said, dude, if we got to go to the Chinese to get the movie made, then I'll I'll go to China. So you've got
0: a fairly wild idea and this is not this is not another... Uh... It's
1: something that I've had since I worked at V2 Records. You remember when I worked yes, at I V2 do. Records? I was going to
0: actually get into that. Yeah. So, uh, it, just something that came to you, and you go, this would make a great movie?
1: No, because it's uh, based on some events that happened to me. Some actual, like, real-life events. Okay, well, I was
0: unaware that you went to Africa.
1: Um, well, in the movie, I go to Africa. Okay, so, but you, so what, that... Here, here's the premise. You don't have to give it away. I don't want you getting ripped off. What would you do for $80 million? Retire. No, <laughs> no. That's if you it's had it's $80 you million. Dollars. Not what would away. you do to to actually get your hands on $80 million? I have not pondered that. Yeah. I well, would probably
0: assume it wouldn't gonna
1: happen. Well, I couldn't do in, anything In that my evil. story, um I um actually have to chase down a warlord in Africa on the west coast of Africa in um, one of the Major cities on the African coast. That is um, considered to be uh, one of the most brutal. The 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 human rights people are just like there's no reason for any white people to go there. You don't go there. It's not on a list of places to go like a place to uh, uh, a bucket list type of thing where oh, I've got to go there. On vacation. It's alongside Syria, is what you're saying. It's <laughs> uh, that, like I said, the human yeah. rights people are like, no, you don't go there unless you're NATO or you're uh, Blackwater, you're a, a mercenary. So you went to Jack Black. I'm assuming it's he. Comedic. He said, I, 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 I will be a part of this once you uh, can present me with a. 15 minute synopsis. Like, give me two pages that I can read in 10 to 15 minutes that explains the movie. Because we had two meetings and it took, he said, it took you three hours to explain your movie. I said, yes, but we also talked about your kids. We also talked about your wife. We also talked about what you're eating for lunch. Uh, We talked about why you can purchase an AK 47 in certain parts of the world for 25 cents, 50 cents. You could purchase uh, a, a Russian Soviet made or Chinese made um, bazooka for a buck, you know. Uh, we talked about why are these kids running around these dirt streets barefoot or in Converse tennis shoes with Rambo on the front of their t shirts blowing people up and killing people. You know, we talked about the uh, child soldiers. We talked about some of these warlords. We talked about blood diamonds. But all that sort of ties into the story, I'm guessing. In that part of the world. Sure.
0: All right. All right, so are you moving along with the synopsis to uh, make um, this all I'm happen? just
1: trying to figure out who I'm going to get to help. I, I actually reached out to Brian Posehn and um, I mentioned him earlier because he's writing a book. And he also does stand up comedy. No, yeah, I'm familiar with him. And he's been out doing some shows. And so consequently. He's the heavy metal comic. Yeah. Yeah. Metal. But he's familiar with. He was in an off video. And he and I sat there, and it was like, he said, You need to write a book. Because that's these are the only books he reads, or like, well, I just got through reading Ronnie James Dio's bio, and (laughs) (laughs) um, he said, you know, you're interesting enough. You need to write a book too. Um, But he's also a TV star. He he was in one of the off videos, did an amazing job, and so I reached out to him. Uh, Granted. He's supposed to be writing a book. He's asked for uh, some extra time because he's been busy. And that's just the way that it is. Um, If he gets back to me, cool. If he doesn't, uh, I will just keep clawing and scratching and trying to find somebody else. Uh, We have a friend that Elsie used to uh,
0: carpool with to the Derby Dolls. She ended up writing a book about the Derby dolls. It got made into a film and now she's like kind of big time script writer. Just one of those things that just sort of took off for. Her. Right. It, all it, sometimes all it
1: takes is just one thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, it could happen. I mean, you they're asking you to do a second book. You know, and I've talked to a bunch of guys to be in it and they're all basically, well, you gotta give us a script. They I, I'm interested in doing it, but I've gotta read a script. You know, you got to give me a story. You got to give me, you know, um, more than just a half an hour blurb about what it's about.
0: At this point, are you looking to kind of maybe go off in that direction and maybe not do as much live music I'm and six, touring? I'm going to be that?
1: 62 in September, and it's the the touring is becoming harder and harder. I mean, it's fun. I, I have a great time when we're doing it, and I love the camaraderie. Um, I, I, I'm hoping that the next big thing that comes up is a uh, flag West Coast tour. I was going to
0: ask about that we've, too. So that's we, on the horizon. We've
1: not done that, and it's like I, I think everybody agrees and knows that you know the next thing we do, that's what we're going to do. Now we get hit up to. Uh, write new music and record or release a live album, but we don't get to use the name Flag. You can't even use Flag. No. No, that was part of the... That was included in all of the legalities in the big lawsuit. And I won't get into any details. No, no need. We're supposed to walk around telling everybody that we won. And... I had to give up a couple of things that I felt I wasn't supposed to give up, but um, it's a one for all and all for one. So I did it. So uh, Billy didn't lose his recording studio, and Chuck didn't lose his house. Just th- those kind of things.
0: Holy shit. I didn't know that, that something over the, that would get that serious.
1: Well, here's the way that it works the lawsuit, we did nothing wrong. We were just out playing the songs. Sure. And somebody got jealous. Hmm. somebody got upset. Uh-huh. And decided to try to put a stop to it. Right. And what happens in these situations when when you've dealt with a record label and have the the majority of the guys that were involved had had been paid uh royalties or buyouts here and there. But some of us had never seen any type of royalties. Royalties that we've not seen are being used in the lawsuit against us. And at one point, the opposing lawyer said, I'm going to make this cost you guys $500,000. And that was when we said, you know what? We've, this has gone on long enough. You know, we just want some accounting. We, we we just want some royalties. You know, if we're if we're going to go through this lawsuit, we've all put up money that we didn't really have just to fight off this lawsuit. Because when you get sued, you got to you got to counter sue. If if you've not done anything wrong, you got to figure out a way to scrape up some money. So we went out and played. We went out and did a tour. So, you and, and, did
0: a tour to finance a lawsuit.
1: Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's terrible. That's not why you want to play music. But, I mean, you got to
1: do what you got to do. Yeah, but at the same time, we enjoy playing this music. Of course. And the people that come and see us play this music know that we're real about it, we're not just up there. Phoning it in, we're not mailing it in. No, I've seen I've seen seen flag and it's it's the real thing. We're not doing any posturing, yeah. It's like we, we, you know, this music means something to a lot of people, and to just get up there and uh half ass your way through it, that doesn't cut it, that that doesn't work, that does not work. Well, so
0: at this point, what uh, I assume then maybe you're thinking about just coming up with a name making an album going out and being a band
1: Um, we have um, all of the guys are um, busy with other projects we have two of the guys who are out promoting the newest Descendants album and they I believe are about three quarters of the way through that I could be wrong Uh, I believe they're over in Europe right now. I know they just played Primavera in Spain, which is, when it comes to all of these ultra-mega, super-large music festivals, that's one of the biggest in the world. That's also part of the reward for all of the years of playing music, where you get to pull up on a bus and, and park out in a grassy field and barbecue or... Go swimming or go go to the beach. Have a good time. Have a really good time. Be with your be with be with people you want to be with, and play in front of a, a crowd. Uh, I, I I've played some of these festivals. Now, granted, some some of these festivals in Europe, if a thousand people show up, they still call it a festival. Sure, um, but we played some of these ultra mega festivals. I played Primavera and it was a blast. It was amazing. You know, I got to hang out with Nels Klein. I, you know, got to hang out with one of the guys that uh, promotes and books the tour who is a huge SST fan. And when I said, well, how about flag playing? And he was just ecstatic, you know, and that's a really well-paying gig you, you 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 can base three or four week long tour on maybe two or three festival days. Sure. Tie it all together. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a fun thing to do. Well, you get a lot of these bigger bands, they'll just go and they'll play the weekends and not do anything during the middle of the week. Unless say there's another festival somewhere. I mean during festival season there's there's uh festivals going on all the time, but one of the things we found was that we would play on the weekends. We we would play the festivals on the weekends, and then play play clubs and small halls during the week, and that was just as much fun.
0: Sure, get right up close. It kept to the crowd. us
1: busy. Yep,
0: and you're seeing a lot of times you're seeing places that are, you know might be a little off the tourist journey in a really exotic, cool. Countries and you yeah, get to see out in the a, real world. See
1: like a uh, forest in Germany, like this um, family festival. Uh, the, all that was missing was um, the mentors and Turbo Negro <laughs> <laughs> and the and the um, hologram of G G L. Yeah, yeah,
0: sure, of course. Keep it for the kids. Uh, okay, so well, hopefully there'll be something new coming up with uh, Flag, and it'd be great to write some new music. Uh, One last thing I did want to cover with you, because you're always someone that knows the answer to this, especially thinking back to your days with V2. Uh, You've always kept really up on new cool shit happening musically. What are you listening to now? What should we be looking at? What do you think's good? Oh,
1: geez. Um, Sometimes I um, get asked this question, like, what are you listening to? And I'll be sitting in my living room, and there's the poster of Roxy Music, and there's the poster of uh, the Chambers Brothers playing with the Velvet Underground at the Shrine Auditorium, and the Who and Pink Floyd with Jeff Beck and Blue Cheer, and you know all sorts of stuff like that. Alice Cooper, Blind Faith. Uh, newer music. Um, I like Feels. Um, one of the girls that plays in Feels, her dad is a Devo which I think is pretty cool. Um, I listen to so much music that to try to rattle anything off the top of my head is just... It's ridiculous. Anything
0: you've seen recently that was uh, Um, pretty excellent?
1: um, My my problem is that I get busy and I have work to do and I want to go out. um, Like, I wanted to go see the weirdos at the... Echo Plex when they played the last time, yep. which was like last week. But the fact of the matter is, being a diabetic, I have a really beaten down immune system. So it's like I get in a room and there's 500 people in the room. Somebody coughs over on the other side. Somebody s- sneezes over in that corner. I walk away coughing and sneezing. So my time out and about has really come to a point where I might get out once or twice a month, but I am listening to a lot of music at home. All right. Well, if you want to share any of it, tell us. But I would also think that that thing with your immune system would be
0: kind of a bummer when you go on the road, playing. Um,
1: it is. And I get sick. And How do you deal with that when you're, when you're already out? You know about the Z-Pack. You know, one of the guys starts, oh, I've got laryngitis or... Strep throat, streptococcus, you know, it's like z Um I drink some echinacea with some um, oregano oil. you got to be really careful with the undiluted oregano oil because it'll burn. Try to eat as healthy as possible. When you're out there touring... That's a tough one. It's a very tough one. You know, it's like... Um, pizza is a staple of our diet, and I'm not supposed to be eating pizza. See, I'm also a diabetic with high cholesterol, and my diabetologist is, you've got to go on cholesterol medication. And I was just to the point where I'm already hooked up into the pharmaceutical system and standing in line once or twice a month for insulin and all of that fun shit, and it's like, I'm not buying anything else. What do I have to do to stay off of cholesterol medication, which is the worst stuff you can take? You're better off just having the high cholesterol than taking the medicine that's going to bring your high cholesterol down two or three points. She said, you have to eliminate anything that comes from four legs. And I was like, well, that's not too difficult. I've already eliminated pork. I'm I'm a Jew. I don't eat a lot of pork. My pork is so remote that, I, in fact, I don't even, I think the last time I ate pork was six years ago. I don't even know. But that also means no dairy, which now you're eliminating um, cheese enchiladas. You're eliminating cheese quesadillas. You're eliminating pizza. Um and it's was a lot just, of good stuff. I was bumming out because yeah, pizza pizzas you know you eat cereal you eat oatmeal for breakfast and you eat pizza for lunch or dinner. I eat pizza for breakfast. Well what cold pizzas and sure, coffee. That's bachelor food, yeah. man. You go you go directly <laughs> there. You don't stop. Um you don't stop to heat the oven. No. It's good cold. Yeah. Um no beef. Uh, I, I was I, I, I have no problem with that except I love being a di- diabetic. Your meat portion is the size of your palm, which is three to four ounces. It's supposed to be the size of a pack of cigarettes or a deck of cards. So that's three to four ounces and I don't mind a four ounce piece of uh, fillet mignon with a baked potato or some garlic mashed potatoes and some kind of green vegetable steamed and a salad. I could eat that five minutes before I go on stage and have the fuel I need to do what I need out. to do. It yeah,
0: actually sounds really good. I'm kind of hungry right now. Um, just yeah, just made
1: it worse. Yeah, and um, so I've had to cut out the beef. I mean, I'll, I'll eat a filet mignon maybe once or twice a month. It's okay to cheat a little. Yeah, see the thing is, is that it's okay to cheat a little because uh, if you don't cheat a little, you start stressing out. It's the one of the rules they said, being a diabetic, if you see that piece of cake and you want to eat the piece of cake, go ahead and eat the piece of cake. Don't stress out about it because that'll just create more problems. Just eat the piece of cake bump yourself up a couple of notches of insulin. You'll be okay. It's not going to be the end of your world.
0: Yeah, that makes good sense.
1: Well, Keith, I'm
0: afraid we are running to the end of time which is a little running sad.
1: running to running. the end of time. I think uh, yes that's a good
0: metal song I think I, I think I lived that once So you had me bring my book
1: I'm sorry we yeah. look we got all into this and we talked a good 90 minutes didn't even get to talk, talk about the seeds of black flag being planted at the journey concert at the Santa Monica Cibre.
0: I have actually heard that uh, myself and uh, also discussing coming over the wall at the Hollywood Bowl
1: to see Procol Harum Under the and, wall. I, and Under I and I was the at, wall. and
0: I was at the Procol Harum show with the orchestra with the with the orchestra. Yeah, yeah, that was the... Uh,
1: unfortunately, that was without Robin Trower. That's true. Yeah, he was out of the band by then. Yeah, I never got to see them with Robin Trower. I've
0: never seen Robin but Trower. I,
1: I've seen Robin... Robin Trower was one of the first shows that I saw at the Whiskey A Go-Go. Yeah, my wife's seen Robin Trower. I never
0: have. Uh, I love Robin Trower, though. Yeah. Can't beat it. Well, thank you very much for coming by. Uh, We'll have you back. I mean, obviously, you're going to be making a movie, a blockbuster, and have book two. So there's no reason to make you a stranger around here. You have plenty to say.
1: A book two instead of Bluetooth. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Keith. You're welcome, Bruce.
0: Thank you for listening to the Tone Duff
1: Sessions, a feature of Rare Bird Radio.